Do you smell that? That rich, delicious smell of beer? Where's it coming from? Oh my god, the smell is coming from inside the podcast! Someone is brewing something on today's episode, and we're going to be talking about two of the big ingredients of beer, hops and malt. So come in, and have a drink, and get ready for Homebrewing 2 Electric Boogaloo. Welcome to Have a Drink, the show where you learn along with us about the glorious drink called beer. I'm Brittany Lee Walker. I'm Justin Frazier. And I'm Christopher Walker. And also, we are joined by Casey Price. Hey guys, thanks for having me on again. Wait, wait, we, we were having him on? <laughs> well, I, I didn't mean, agree to this. This is outside of my contract writer, I'm out. <laughs> no, no, you introduced him when you said that we were homebrewing. Oh. <laughs> that was an automatic thing, yeah. <laughs> so, welcome back, Casey. Thanks, I appreciate it. Yeah, we got a little bit more into homebrewing to get into this uh, this week around, so uh, I've got my drink sitting right here. I'm ready to have a drink mm. with you guys. What have you been up to? Oh, you know, brewing-wise, I've kind of backed off quite a bit here the past few uh, past few weeks. I'm doing a, a spring cleaning around the house, um, getting some... Um, all kinds of, of new equipment ready, some new fermenters, and, and trying to, to get everything clean and ready to go again for this next brewing year. Oh. Uh, make sure that everything, number one rule of brewing, be clean. Um, <laughs> and then uh, this week, I'm actually out and about doing a little beer tour up in the Michigan area and over toward uh, Maryland toward the oh. end of it. Not that it also might be KBS week. You know that just happened to fall the same week, so that's that's interesting. You know, whenever I hear KBS, I just picture like an angelic choir just going KBS. Oh yeah, Kentucky Breakfast Out. I'm hoping they'll have enough or have some still left on tap. They're tapping it. Um, I think as of today, the day we are recording, but I won't be there until like two or three days from now on Wednesday. It's all gone. So, yeah, uh, I'm I'm expecting it to be gone by that point. I've missed uh, if, two opportunities to try it in the past month, and it is eating me up inside because there was <laughs> the big Founders thing they had down at Hopcat in Lexington, and then uh, they had an All About Stouts, or Shout Out to Stouts, or All About Stouts, something at Molly Malone's, which is a quarter mile. Like, we can walk to the place. They just uh, had a big I, Stout Fest yesterday, but there was an entrance. It was like $35 to get in. Ooh. And I was like, I'm not paying $35 to be able to go in and pay eight to nine dollars a drink, there was yep. some. There was somewhere I was at last week that just had a founders takeover. Where was it this week? No, it was last week. It was last weekend. Uh, they they had just done a, a, a 
founders take over. I think they may have had KBS. Yeah. On the run up to uh, KBS week or during KBS week, they're, I know they're tapping it all over Grand Rapids. So even if I can't find it at that Founders Brew House, I, I should be able to track down somewhere else around the city that's got it. Keep hunting. Yeah. <laughs> all right. All right. Well, uh, let's go ahead and move into a little bit of news. All right, first story is when we actually passed over from the last episode waiting to get some better information because it was all just kind of muddled. But apparently Victory and Southern Tier are going to be coming together and making, well, it's a new holding company. They will still maintain their separate names, I guess, for the different kinds of beer. They're going to Voltron together? Which one's forming the head? (laughs) I'm going to say... Well, I was going to say Victory. Probably. Well, now Victory's got to be like the main body piece, so you can have that big V on the chest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but the story reads, Having just marked 20 years in the craft brewing industry, Victory Brewing Company proudly announces a landmark alliance with Southern Tier Brewing Company under parent company Artisanal Brewing Ventures, ABV. Not that that's going to be confusing at all. <laughs> As the first major transaction of 2016 within the rapidly evolving craft beer industry. Yeah, this is, uh, I mean, it's huge because those are two massive craft brewers. Yeah. I mean, let's see. And wasn't the weird thing was like they're making a headquarters kind of deal in somewhere that's super not where either of them are based out of at all. Yeah, I think it was in North Carolina. Was where they were going to be moving to. Yeah, because Southern Red- Tier's out of New York. I can't remember where the Victory's from. Aren't they like a Midwest brewery? I believe so, mm-hmm. but I'm probably wrong on that. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not seeing it jump out to me. Hmm. But yeah, yeah. I mean, North Carolina, you can't go wrong if you're a uh, uh, Pennsylvania. Oh, Donnie, Pennsylvania. Donnie. Okay. okay. Yeah, I just saw it too. <laughs> so yeah, they're um, both northeastern states. Northeastern yeah. located, but they're moving. Oh, let's go down to the south. Uh, but I mean, <laughs> took southern tier. Let's go south. You've got <laughs> so many people moving into North Carolina right now. So many brewers moving to North Carolina, and I mean, the infrastructure that's coming back in to to back them up. Um, you've got uh, White Labs, one of the largest yeast manufacturers or craft beering yeast manufacturers, is building their second distribution center and uh, manufacturing on the east coast right there oh, wow. in Asheville. So you've got a lot of infrastructure that's backing up all the breweries that are heading that way. I hear a lot of good things about craft beer in Asheville from uh, from one of my friends. Their, their, their husband is originally from that area. And so it's, it's all like, no, it's the best. And I'm like, I mean, how good could it be? And then I start looking at the, the breweries and whatnot. They're nearby. It's like, never mind. It sounds, yeah. it sounds pretty drugs. <laughs> um, yeah. From Highland Brewing Company, I think, was the uh, the first one to, to come out there um, or start up there. And then um, Sierra Nevada's there now. Uh, oh. Oscar Blues has moved their secondary facility there. Wicked Weed. Uh, no, Wicked Weed, if you're talking about the, one of the newer players, but one of the people that have really shot off. I mean, Wicked Weed is doing it with IPAs and on their sour program as well. Hmm. Yeah, and I'm like, okay, it's saying under the umbrella of ABV, Victory and Southern Tier will independently operate their breweries and commanding a joint capacity of over 800,000 barrels of potential annual production. Wow. It's, 
They're the triple entente of uh, of of craft beer right now. Yeah, if they were to, except there's only two of them, but whatever. <laughs> they would still be. I think I've got wrong, uh, old numbers. Yeah, those are twenty. I think twenty fifteen numbers. But they, if they had eight hundred thousand barrels of production, they would be in the top. I, I think the article says top fifteen, but I, I think they would probably even be further up there maybe in like the the top 10 casey um, you have you have the number burned into your brain what's the 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 <laughs> craft cutoff oh yeah with uh with what makes it an actual craft beer right. so it's six million barrels oh, um still good. i was gonna say like maybe they were like to together they could still independently be called craft but work together to well, say they are still brewing independently like they right. are still they're still separate like they aren't brewing from the same facilities yeah right. the one the one key thing about those two breweries merging together and and creating a, a tertiary company that may be doing their their other business, I don't know, I don't, it, doing some collaboration stuff. They can funnel yeah. things around easier to where if one has you know they're having trouble with something, they can funnel money one way or another, and then getting all the hops because they'll just be yeah. buying all their hops and brewing supplies in much larger quantities and distributing it between the two. Or maybe it's a shell company, and they can, you know, move all kinds of illicit money around. You know? <laughs> uh, we we've ran into that. <laughs> um, yeah. The uh, the key part about depending, making sure this is set up correctly is if they become non-independent, which means that more than twenty-five percent of the craft brewery is owned or controlled by a beverage alcohol industry member that it's not itself a craft brewer. That's the technical knowledge. That means that it can not, not any longer be called a craft brewery. That's where you want those equity holders, like those those hedge fund yep. people buying stuff. Not um, any, like, uh, you know, Lagunitas, whenever they got 35%, was it, purchased by a, another brewery, um, that didn't count. I think at that point they became non-craft because of that. Yeah. Yeah, they they were they were driven before their new opponent. They heard the lamentations of their women. Uh, yeah, no. Um, I'm excited to see what this could bring about. I mean, you have the brewery that does like stuff like Golden Monkey, and then you have which is you know quite good, and then you have the brewery that does amazing, ridiculous stuff like the Creme Brulee Stout and mm. the Pumpkin and Warlock. Oh, you know, yeah. so it's gonna be. No, Very for me, interesting. Victory is known for Storm King mm, with the okay, uh, yeah. bird of prey on the bottle, and that's what that was one of the first beers we had. We're like, no, it tastes like dirt, but it's good. <laughs> like saying it tastes like dirt is just so earthy, and you're like, yeah, that's what <laughs> I want. Yep. But all right, yeah, there's a whole bunch of quotes down in here from all kinds of people in both companies, but. Uh, it doesn't really serve to the story at all. It's just everyone being like, oh, yeah, this is great for the future, and we're all excited, and we Bunch are. Bunch talking heads. Yeah. Everyone wanted to say how great it was. Yeah. but <laughs> Almost a little suspiciously so. Like, no one wanted to go, like, I mean, it's kind of okay, I guess. <laughs> Not bad. It seems nah. <laughs> But All right, we'll move on to a more somber story. Da-da-da. Coming from Dos Equis, they have decided to retire the most interesting man in the world. Okay, uh, so now there's no reason to drink Dos Equis. <laughs> <laughs> we will all stay thirsty. Very, very thirsty. 
But no, uh, the ad is already out. Uh, they've sent him to Mars, if you watch it. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's a pretty good ad. His only regret is not knowing what regret feels like. <laughs> yeah. Now, they, they, they've been running these ads for a, for a long time now. Oh, yeah, I can remember. I mean... Yeah, so I found the, one of the first ones, and this is... The original one is Spring 2010 for The oh, Most wow. Interesting Man in the World. And I, I I think this is the first of the commercials, but just a refresher course for anybody who doesn't remember for whatever reason. Who doesn't own TV. Touch the art. He is the most interesting man in the world. I don't always drink beer, but when I do, I prefer those Zaki's. Stay thirsty, my friends. I feel like this came out like just at the tail end of like the the, the Chuck Norris trend, and they did it by being slightly classier. Oh yeah, well, yeah, he definitely had the classy thing going on, and the commercials were just so ridiculous and wonderful. I don't, I don't know, I I was on board with it. Yeah, I love the commercials. They never uh, swayed me to drink Dos Equis, but I mean, they they swayed me to try them from time to time. Dos Equis Amber is actually pretty good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I've I've uh, never had too many varietals of their stuff, but still. I mean, sometimes I'm given you know, given a very limited choice of beers, and I was like, uh, you know, I guess fine. We'll we'll go with those Equis today. <laughs> um, well, if I, if you're at a Mexican restaurant and like their choice, like I mean, they're gonna go like Dos Equis or like Negro Modelo. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, oh, in the article they're saying uh, this. This ad is not the end of it. Oh. Uh, Dos Equis will ride Goldsmith's departure for the next several months. The brand what? has planned for a social media campaign leading up to Cinco de Mayo hmm. using the hashtag, hashtag Adios Amigo and of will course. distribute life-size cardboard cutouts of Goldsmith to grocery stores and bars for fans to pose with. That's weird. I'm just brand, gonna, he's gotta, that's got to be weird for him a little the bit. The brand will also give customers the chance to win some of the most interesting man's possessions, like his mariachi <laughs> suit, plus a grand prize trip to Mexico. Then it will be time to move on. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> this is going to um, be great. <laughs> good Lord. Yeah, all I can think of when I th- uh, uh, about like the most interesting man is like watching them like do things where he's fencing or... Like, car driving like there was somewhere in i don't know if it was in this article or another one but like celebrities see this man on the street and they need to go take selfies with them yeah uh i do like yeah. he does like the uh telethons and things like yeah he, they put him like if the you look at events yeah stuff. he's answering the phones in these big charity events sitting next to like meryl streep and will smith and like all these people and like it's like no he does beer commercials but everyone's like this man is the most interesting man in the world he has I that look they more. did really well <laughs> uh, yeah so like this is all leading up to cinco de mayo what what happens on cinco de cuatro <laughs> no idea uh, yeah. i just cinco yeah. de mayo is we say our final goodbye but until then, if you find any of these life-size cutouts, take pictures and tag us in them, or at least send them to us something. We have to see everybody with these things. I mean, if I find one, I'm, I'm totally going to do it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a little sad that they're ending this, this ad, but, you know, you don't really want to run some of these commercials forever. And the guy, it says here, is like, what, 77, 71? Yeah, he's no spring chicken. No. He looks like he takes care of himself, but 
He's he, he ain't long for this world, as they say. <laughs> well, maybe he is. Maybe he's going to live a thousand more years. But I mean, there's a good possibility he could outlive any one of us <laughs> with the way we drink. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah no, seventy-seven. Um, I don't know. You can use. I'm still salty about Burger King getting rid of the king. Like, no, <laughs> that is the best. That's one of the best ad campaigns ever. And they could bring him back in a viral way. And he still Ooh. pops up here and there. But I st- they need to bring him back, like full on, like he's you laying in people's a, beds. You never, man, you never had a man in a Burger King King mask uh, run through your your college dorm room, making all <laughs> so all strange. all manner of sounds. <laughs> I'm I'm cool with with not uh, with no King. But let's uh. I think we've I think we've tapped this horse. Let's move on to our next story. Yeah, that horse is good and dead. Let's move on, and it is also to do with another brand. Well, a similar brand, uh, Corona. This is a big warning, actually. Uh, Corona may have glass in it. So before, when we were like like lining out the notes for the episode, I was about I was about to tell these guys like, hey guys, I got a story for you right now. It's happened again, yeah. uh, <laughs> uh, because. You know, I got the little warning at the bar where I work. It was like, "Hey, please check all your your Corona bottles for these numbers. If you have them, please pull them off the shelves. We'll we'll take them away." I thought you were going to say check it individually for the glass. <laughs> I'd be like, "How are you doing that? Just drinking them?" <laughs> oh, that one's good with a microscope. Um, yeah, I, I feel this happens. I feel like I have more Corona recalls than anything else. Um, it, it and, was glass a couple years ago. I think there was like a contamination on the bottles last year, and then it was, and then it was glass again this year. I'm like, guys, like, what are they doing at the plant? Calm down. <laughs> well, that's interesting. They kind of get okay. The article reads: It says beer drinkers are being warned that they may find more than a lime wedge in their Coronas. Uh, Constellation Brands Inc which owns the Corona brand in the U.S., said Wednesday that it's recalling some 12-ounce clear bottles because they may contain small pieces of glass. The bottles in question make up less than a tenth of 1% of Corona Extra 12-ounce clear bottles, according to a statement. They are found in certain 12-packs and 18-packs sold in the U.S. and Guam. So, yeah, and it's it's not... Let's... Let's go say, it's... it's, Let's put that... It's not that many of these things. Uh, and, hmm. for example, all the ones that I had to pull and look through were fine. Um, and they wouldn't have, we wouldn't have this problem if they had just given us tw- uh, the 24 packs like we always get instead of trying to give us 18 packs. Sorry. Yeah, well, let's, let's put that in perspective, though. I mean, this is a brewery that, uh, from what numbers I could find, produce about 120 million bottles of beer per month maybe you know 5 million bottles a day so if you take one tenth of 1% which is they say less than that's still 1.8 million bottles of corona that's a lot it is a lot but like it's it's none of it i would i'm not going to say no one is going to have any glass in their corona right i'm saying it's precaution it's it's it's, it's you have better chance of winning the lottery i think uh, then I don't know. I think there's a better chances if you're buying because it's saying in twelve packs they, and they, eighteen packs. They, if you're when buying, they found it, they immediately called the recall. They, they pulled have, it. Yeah, yeah. Like these, like by this point, it's almost yeah. It's going to be super hard if you're if you're going out there trying to find it. Yeah. Oh yeah, For that any, would be hard. 
any any reputable liquor store gets this. I mean, they're going to pull it off their shelves. Any any oh, bar yeah. worth their their salt. I mean, the the distributor is going to replace it. It's not like it's any money off there back. Corona's the only right. one that's having to deal with this. Oh yeah, um, it's, it's just it saves you the trouble of dealing with. I got some glass in my thing. Oh crap! I can say with experience, distributors have no salt about dumping out tons of beer. It hurts my soul. I see dumpsters. There's a dumpster where the guy I rode with last week that they pick up that's full, like eight yards of beer, and it's not all bad beer either. Like it's just <laughs> one box gets dented, and they throw away the whole pallet. Man. Yeah, it's a waste of old hell. But in this, uh, what is, I think, most concerning is the recall was announced after routine inspections at two Anheuser-Busch InBev breweries, which currently produce Constellation beer products. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this is uh, so it all goes back to Anheuser-Busch. So that it is the big one that is responsible for this. And if at that plant there is glass getting into some of the beer, oh my goodness. What what my thought is on this, and I have no – I tried to find something on – this might have something. The Corona bottles are a little bit different from um, any of your regular Budweiser. First off, most of them are – you have to pry top, and I, I feel like Anheuser-Busch, that's not where their They're all twist off. big dollars go. I think it's twist-offs where their big dollars probably go. Mm-hmm. Um, so if it's in some sort – and they're, I think, a little bit taller than normal bottles – so some guy accidentally got the wrong numbers pushed in there, and uh, each time that bottle crimper comes down to put a bottle on, it accidentally too, tightens it too much or pushes down too hard and makes a little chip. I mean, something like that could be real a real simple way to get their glass in each of these bottles. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, I suspect something like that might be what's to blame here. But still, it is... Or someone's out there breaking bottles in the factory, and they just sort of toss the dust in the air and just hope they didn't get into anything. It's horrible, but I prefer to think of it that way. I just want somebody in that factory to have lost it and just start smashing crap just everywhere. And then, like, some shards of glass just happened to get in the bottles that were about, you know. They duped on the supervisor's desk. They're like, yeah. I mean, I just want it to be a wreck. These are going to be, by the way, like, just, like, most likely tiny little bit. You're not going to find know, a whole gla- shard of glass, you know, like... Well, that wouldn't like a, fit anyway. You know? It could still do some damage if you drink it. Oh, it can. I'm just saying, like, we're not looking like you're going to look in the bottle and see, like, like it's a ship in a bottle and somehow they got, like, a two-inch wide right? piece of glass past that. Yeah, that's obviously bad, but, you know... <laughs> All right, well, that's going to round up news, but we actually have a new little mini-segment that we're going to be working about Untapped. Wait, what? Are we getting paid from Untapped now? No. Freaking wish. <laughs> right. Get riggedy, riggedy, wrecked, son! No, it's just been time. I've been like, no, we need we need Rick. That's got to uh-huh. be one of our bumpers eventually. But now we were looking around and seeing that most of you all are untapped, and that's where our community is. We're developing and untapped. Like that's how we're communicating with each other, commenting and liking, you know, toasting check-ins. So we thought it'd be a good thing to do, and we're going to start trying to, you know, get the whole community together on earning badges. So why don't we let you all know about some badges that are coming up and some that are going to be going away? Unlike some certain certain people, we do need some stinking badges. Yes, we we need the stinking badges. Uh, there there was one of these. There were going to be three, but uh, I had to drop it off as realizing by the time we get this episode up, 
uh, you can no longer get it. <laughs> so it'd be so like, you go to just... listen. You could listen to it the day we get the episode up, and it would still be too late to get that badge. You just get in your DeLorean, you hit mm-hmm. 88 miles an hour, and oh, you drink something. I forget what it is already. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, the ones that we do have to tell you about, uh, two of them you need to... Well, you have all month to get these, but you can get them in conjunction with, uh, I believe it's the Luck of the Irish badge that we're all going for this week. Right. Uh, where you have to drink five Irish beers. I was very disappointed when we were gathering our beers, where apparently Guinness is just has a monopoly on the import. Guess what, kids? They're all going to be Guinness. <laughs> yeah. Some form of Guinness. <laughs> At least there are like six or seven different you know, beers from Guinness, but still. Uh, the ones that we have are Happy March from the Brewers at Guinness, where it's the Marches for Guinness badge. Uh, you get it for checking into any style of Guinness until April 7th. Already, already got one. <laughs> yeah, uh, if you're on Untapped, you know some of us already have it. Uh, there's also... Uh, I, got, I got two today. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's also... Uh, Two lands, one beer badge for checking in to the Guinness Blonde American Lager. Mm. So, and both of those, I believe, are available until April 7th. So, you can get three badges if you drink at least just the uh, Guinness Blonde. Yeah, towards... if you get the Blonde specifically, you're, you already knocked out two, two badges and on your way to getting the third. So, yeah, uh, you can do a nice little triple badge in this week if you're participating with us on Untapped. And also, we have another one coming up. Uh, Don't wait for summer to come to you. This one's sponsored. They've had a lot of sponsored from different brewers. I mean, Uh, that's cool, though, because they're trying to all get the word out. Like, everybody's using this good resource, I think. Yeah, I do kind of like, I was participating in some, like, the founders, the, what was it, Feel the Taste for the, yeah, it, some of their nitros. It'll give you something to, to look out for anyway. Like, I mean, I know it's ads and sponsored content and all that, but still, like... There's those mean, badges, I mean... Gotta catch them all. Mm-hmm. Gotta catch them all. But this one's from Line and Kugel, and it's Summer Starts Now, and it's uh, check-in to one Summer Shandy from Line and Kugel between March 1st and May 1st, and you'll unlock the Summer Starts Now badge. So that one will not be hard. Uh, the Summer Shandy is already hitting taps. I've already seen it in the stores. So, Yeah, that shouldn't be too difficult. If you're into that kind of thing. <laughs> if I mean, the, it's, it's too, I don't it's too I'm sweet for me. Thing. I'm yeah. going to get that badge. <laughs> it is a really cute badge. It's got a little lemon on it and everything. It is nice and summery looking. I don't care what the badge looks like. I'm going to get that badge. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still two away from the luck of the Irish badge is the one we're trying for this week. Oh, yeah. It's so I annoying. Grab, I got to grab a couple of different kinds of Guinness tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, trust me. No, I was able to find a better variety in Scottish beers than Irish beers. Yeah. I am disappointed. Mm-hmm. But anyway, that's enough of the complaining, and that is our new Untapped segment. Hopefully we'll have more stuff for that. But we are going to move on in to our topic. We're not that drunk. We're not that drunk. We're not that drunk. We're not that drunk. Yeah, as always, uh, when you hear Casey around, there's going to be some conversation about homebrewing. Right. Somewhat, yeah, definitely. Um, 
Today, we're going to just start talking about a few of the ingredients that are in beer. Um, it's important to know what your ingredients are and what they do, regardless of if you're a brewer or not. So I felt like this was probably a good topic to cover for, for everyone out there. It doesn't just apply to home brewers. Um, but what we're going to learn about today is um, uh, malted grains and hops, two of the key ingredients and two of the most talked about ingredients, really, in beer. So basic ingredients for modern beer recipes all stem from the, ni- uh, the 1516 Reinheitsgebot. Um, they include malt, hops, and water. Uh, one of the key ingredients that's missing there is yeast, and that wasn't actually added until the 1800s when we discovered that yeast was actually a thing. That was from um, uh, Pasteur, right, when all that took yep. place. And well, I'm trying to remember. I'm, I can remember a little bit of my history about the Reinheitsgebot, but it was – it was still just like the wild yeast that were wandering in. That was how uh, it was all taking place, right? Before I, I can't that. remember if it was monks or just the, the master brewer would have a, a the magic beer wand that they stirred <laughs> all of the beers with, and it eventually built up a colony of yeasts on it. I mean, okay. for, a lo- for a long time... Uh, I knew it was wizards. Uh, <laughs> for a long time, monks and uh, master brewers, and still today, they're kind of one of the same thing. <laughs> Yeah, not always, but like, yeah, Trappist monastery breweries. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, but they would they would stir it with the the mash paddle or the not really a mash paddle, but this paddle that would basically inoculate the beer with yeast, and uh, it would send it taken off. Uh, previously, it was when the the yeast would drop out at the bottom of the tank. Um, it, I think that was actually what was called God is good. Um, which, you know, goes back to that whole monk tradition. Um, but now we do have four ingredients uh, in the Reinheitsgebot, but there are a lot more flavors that you can get from beer than just those four ingredients. And I, I'm not a hardcore Reinheitsgebot person. I like my beer to have all kinds of different flavors, and the only way to get that is to add multiple types of uh, non-approved um, adjuncts, fruit, vegetables, spices, and other flavor additions. Personally, uh, got to experiment. Yeah. Personally, my biggest push is if you're going to add something in, like a fruit flavor, make sure it's real fruit and not like a fruit flavoring additive. Yeah, that, that's my biggest. None thing. of the artificial I do like stuff. Some of the stuff we've been we've been trying recently are it's really the hops provide more of a fruity note and flavor and they name it towards that because what is it yeah. all of the pineapple stuff oh, is coming isn't it more from the hop <laughs> than any kind of actual added pineapple the the raja so I, that we tried before the um i don't know what sculpin's doing with their uh, ballast point and sculpin i don't know if they're adding any artificial flavorings at all i have not had their pineapple sculpin but the grapefruit I, i'm almost positive that they're actually using real grapefruit rinds in that um, okay and uh, there are a lot of citrus-type hops that we'll get into uh, when we get to the hop section, and we can talk about how those those contribute their flavors. Okay. So I will say, and I kind of wanted to mention this before we get too far in there and before the beer is gone, uh, mm-hmm. one of my coworkers just tried his first sort of attempt at home brewing, and uh, I think he was going for like a honey brown ale or something. Uh, I know there was honey in it, and it's, it's nice and sweet, but... Uh, that's one of those things that, that that would not be approved by the the Rhine High School boot. Yeah, I don't I don't know. I don't think that honey would be considered in the traditional Reinheitsgebot um as being allowed. I right. think that that's probably an adjunct that an alternative sugar source 
that would not technically be allowed in a traditional German style beer. Which seems funny to me since, you know, there was honey everywhere even then. Yeah. So like uh, with wine, you have grapes, and that's what makes up your fermentable sugars. With mead, you've got honey, ciders, apples, periods, pears. Uh, but beer's only source of of actual sugars to get any sort of um, additions in there would be malted or malted grains. That's that's pretty much your only option if you're going to follow that on Hotska boot. Um, grains like barley, wheat, rye, oats, and I heard sorghum, but I couldn't find exactly if it was maltable or not. I'm pretty sure sorghum is as well. Um, can be malted to create a source of starch and enzymes that can then be mashed to create sugars that the yeast are then able to eat and produce alcohol. So it's all this cascading process that the maltster um, starts with and then the brewer finishes up. Wait, there's a second job that's called a maltster? A maltster. So there's just the people that – you have folks that go out in the field and they – the farmers that grow the grains – and the farmers will then send the grains to a maltster, which uh, goes through the malting process, which we'll actually talk about a little bit here. And the maltster, after he gets done creating his uh, product, it's called malt. Um, and that is then sent on to the brewers who have just the specialized task of making beer from malt, which takes a lot less time than trying to make beer from fresh grains from the field. Ah, yeah, okay. It's just a great title. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> so maltings, this process is where you take the grains and you soak them in water for a few days and you're like tricking the seed into thinking that it's been planted. You want it to be warm and, and wet and you, you're trying to trick it into thinking that it's in the ground and ready to go and create a new plant. How much? It is not. Yeah, right. But you're soaking it in water. It's like, what, what kind of ground does this, this malt think it's in or this <laughs> grain think it's in? <laughs> like it thinks it's starting just starting up in the spring and it's it's like i can't remember, it's like somewhere around 50 60 70 i think 50 60 degrees um ground temperature and and somebody's just put it in the ground and watered it and it's ready to to sprout up and and uh as soon as it starts to sprout and it goes through these changes they it realizes, it realizes it's awful mistake <laughs> and nowhere to go it, it's surrounded by all of its buddies that are also doing the same thing and they're like well, this is fun. Um, so as this plant starts to grow, what happens is the seed actually goes through some changes that unlocks some of the stored up starches that are in it that it would normally use for energy to sprout before it got leaves. Um, and it enzymes that are there that help break that starch down into, uh, into some energy-producing molecules that are able to, to give that plant some, some oomph to get it through until it can produce enough enough leafy matter to collect the sunlight. Um, when the growth of the grain is then stopped and dried partially through this growing process, this whole process is what's called malting, and what's produced at the end is malt. And you can have uh, you can have barley malt, wheat malt, rye malt, oat malt. All those can be malts of different types. But whenever you talk about beer, beer is made from malt. Okay. Um, and it allows that beer to be made in hours instead of the days that it takes for that maltster to get that stuff done. Ah, okay, I see. I was I was going to ask like, how long was this going to take without doing any of this? It's it's like a two week process. I think between the the first sprouting and uh, you you start maybe a little bit less than that, maybe a week. Um, you start 
by draining the water, then adding some fresh water back and forth so it doesn't like sour. But it, it's basically just getting this grain to start up and get ready to go. And um, then, you know, you, you kind of stop the process before it gets ready to sprout completely. Um, malts that are done very well, and the modern method of malting has gotten a lot better, so that malts that are done well are called fully modified. And those are the ones that have the most potential for producing more sugar in the beer, which means higher alcohol levels. Mm. Um, so if you had a cup of just barley, uh, like a, a malted and a cup of unmalted barley. So you had one cup that was just the grain out of the, out of the, um, you know, out of the field. And the other one that went through this malting process, you put a couple tablespoons in the bottom of a cup, pour some hot, like 150 degree water on top of those, let it sit for an hour. When you come back and taste those cups of tea that have basically been made out of the barley, one will taste sweet and one will taste starchy or have no uh, sweetness to it whatsoever. And the malted barley is what's causing that to be sweet because those it's not starch anymore. It's actual sugar. Yeah, it's, it's, it's doing the sugar thing now. Right. So um, maltsters can make many different types of malt depending on the process that they use. It's called kilning, um, the drying process. And then they also can roast. So these fall into two major categories, base malts and specialty malts. Um, base malts, the lightest of which is called a pilsner malt. It is a the malt that can actually taste sweet and convert itself. It's got the enzymes and it's got the starch, so it can you can use up to 100% of this malt if you wanted to, and it will convert itself over into a uh, sugary substance. Um, unless it's a base malt, it doesn't have enough what's called diastatic power in order to convert the starch into sugar. So the lightest is called the Pilsner malt. It's probably one of the most famous named malts out there. It comes from the city of Pilsen, um, and it's probably the major, if not the only malt in the style of beer that takes that name. Right. I was going to say, when you said Pilsner, I was like, well, at least I know what go what kind of beer is made from that malt. Yeah. Exactly. And there's a bunch of malts out there that are similar. Like, there's a Kolsch malt that has, has recently been starting to hit the, the homebrewing world, and that one's made for Kolsch beer from Cologne. Um, so that's that's the, you know, you get named malts that are similar in that way. Uh, now, it's lighter because it's being killed at a lower temperature. That means the drying and all that process takes place at a low temperature. Uh, this also, however, leaves behind some components that would normally be cooked off. Like some of them are good, like the green flavor that you get. It's sort of like a fresh beer wort smell. Um, but it also leaves behind a precursor to an off flavor that kind of smells like cooked corn or cabbage. Ooh. Um, yeah. No. DM, DMS is really uh, – it, it can get really heavy. Um, there's a lot of Pilsner beers out there though that um, – and, and German-style Pilsner especially that can pick this DMS up, and it's actually not considered an off flavor <laughs> in some of these beers. Are you telling me that there's a German – style of pilsner that that goes yeah i think we're okay with cabbage <laughs> yeah it's it's you get more of that cooked corn at, on their end and not it doesn't go as far as cabbage but you know even even czech pilsners um can get it and uh it, it's like a it's a very light note it's not something that's overpowering in some of the better beers out there but um, it's definitely there and, and you taste it and smell it both when you're saying mm. cooked corn i can't help but get it in my head like uh going to the distilleries 
and when you go up above the vats and you're really smelling it cooking, that it was yeah. going to be that intense. Kind of, yeah, kind of similar to that. What the best and easiest one, if you can't get to a distillery, is just go home, open up a can of corn, like from your pantry, just a can of standard yellow corn. That's exactly the smell that you'll be smelling. There, there was a oh, small wow. part of me that was waiting for after I heard uh, open up a can, and I was like, <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. Was it Stone Cold Steve Austin? Yeah. 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 Nice. Um, Next up, if you if you take those malts and instead of killing them at that low temperature, you kill them at a little bit higher temperature, you get what's called pale malt or pale ale malt. Most of the beer that's out there that isn't Bud Miller Coors, those those beers use a, a type of – it's similar to a Pilsner malt that, uh, that they use for their beers. It's a six-row instead of a two-row malt. Okay, so what's the difference? Why is one called a two-row, one's called a six-row? So – all that does is it goes back to the the way it's grown on the plant. It's just two different varieties of barley. Um, one of them, whenever you look at the plant, it's got two sides, and, and it's probably the most picturesque type of barley. If you look at like a, a picture of barley or like a cartoonish drawing of gar- barley, it's got two different sides to the barley plant, and on each side it's got seeds going down on each side, and there's two rows of barley there. Mm-hmm. On six row, it sort of spirals all the way down, oh. and it goes all the way around the barley plant, and it's called six row. What happens is, in six row, you get more husk, so it's it's a smaller grain. It's more husky. It also has more enzymes because the enzymes are usually found inside the husk. Okay. But on the two row, it's a plumper, less husk, more starch, and so it's a better for the pound you get more sugar at the end you get more alcohol at the end per pound of grain usually all that all that extra starch will just go straight to sugar more or less maybe not exactly it It all converts yep it pretty much all i mean the vast majority of it converts as long as i was gonna say conversion is technically not all of it will convert because there's (laughs) yeah yeah so that that type of barley that uh, is also called two-row because it, it sort of fits in there, that pale ale malt. Uh, most ales are made from two-row. Um, some lagers are made from six-row, uh, but there's no hard and fast rule there. You can use just about in either one, uh, see, depending on what row, you're looking for. Two-row is what I usually see you pick up at, a, at, the, at the liquor store like and buy, like, yeah. s- buy large amounts. <laughs> yeah, I just got uh, my week. Uh, my my yearly pallet shipment in. Um, I've got a uh, fifty pound bag of pale ale two row malt because it's very neutral. You can use it for a, a beer just to get your basic sugars into a beer, and then add flavors later on with other things. Um, and then I picked up a pallet of a uh, a lightly. This one isn't as it's it's like the old process of making uh, pilsner malt. And so it's not as highly modified. It's not going to produce as much sugar, but it's got a special flavor to it that I kind of want to check and see what I could do with it there. Hmm. So um, between those two, it's going to be a darker malt than Pilsner. It'll have a more neutral flavor, and it'll also have some notes of biscuit or toast in there. But very neutral, very light flavors. That sounds fine. I know. Yeah. Like I heard biscuit, and I'm just like, man, I wonder if I can find a beer that also has some notes of gravy. <laughs> If you no. take a uh, very light, uh, very light colored uh, IPA, 
and something that doesn't have a caramel flavor to it, something that's not uh, not uh, dark colored. Take that and take out the hops. It's probably one hundred percent pale ale malt. Oh, okay. I was gonna say like the the more you were going on this, the more you were getting me away from it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's. I mean, that's they were basically putting a base there to showcase other ingredients. So, other than those three, I guess that's technically three different malts, you've also got Vienna and Munich malts, which both come from Europe. Um, these have definitely more character. They're more of a malty flavor that you would expect. Uh, like Chris, I've you're going to love this. I, say, I feel like I had a, a, my taste buds have had a lot of, a lot of ex, uh, experience with the v- Vienna malt. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. Oktoberfest, uh, German style beer uses a large portion of its, of its malt bill as Vienna malt. Um, and it gives off like a toasty, nutty flavor, um, goes really well with the spicy flavors that German hops tend to have. Mm. Definitely. Um, the Munich side has more malty flavor and because it's a base malt, you can use it as 100% of the malt bill, but you might want to back off on it because of how overpowering that flavor can be. Um, when you were talking about that homebrew, uh, Justin, it also made me think about one other malt that can also be used as a base malt, but I would not use it at 100%, and that's the um, honey malt. Oh. And so uh, also known as Melanoidin malt, it, it, it adds a honey-like flavor um, without violating the Reinheitsgebot in that sense so you could technically make a honey aroma and flavor beer without violating those laws okay yeah no like that's uh sorry i'm just getting like thirsty thinking about all this and like, <laughs> i'm glad i've got beer <laughs> yeah um next up so specialty grains are the next thing that you kind of deal with and these are malts that either are well, there's a couple different categories they fall in. They fall in the, either the caramel or crystal malts and <laughs> no, the roasted malt category. Malts. They're not malts. It's crystal meth. You're just trying to get us to do meth. <laughs> <laughs> Sprinkle all of that in there. It's a whole process. Casey's, unbeknownst to us, is wearing a pork pie hat and is uh, <laughs> claiming that he's the one who knocks. We're just... uh, I love Walter White. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> Um, especially grains are more used to add flavor than to add any sort of uh, sugars. So your your base malts can add flavors, but if you want to add specialty flavors to it, you add specialty malts. But the only way to get specialty malts to taste the way they do is if you destroy some of the enzyme, enzymatic properties that they have. Um, so either you have to pre-convert the sugars before it even gets to you or um, just say, you know, I'm not looking to get sugar out of this. Um, so we'll just use the malt for its flavor and, and not worry about adding alcohol using this malt. I feel like this is where it starts to get complicated when it comes to brewing. It, it can to some extent. So here's the way I like to think about it. Brewing, you can brew your entire life with just base malts and you would never um, have to worry about a thing, especially if you're using like fruit and, and spice and vegetables in there. But when you start to use these specialty malts, you open up, an entire world of other flavors that are in beer and you add them in like they're sweet additions. I mean, it, it's like, uh, you know, instead of adding oregano, you add crystal malts or, or roasted malt. So, I mean, it's, it's sort of a, uh, you add them in so you can cook that way. <laughs> Sorry. I went to a whole new world. Uh, <laughs> <but yeah. laughs> sure. Sure. So these uh, great, 
these grains have all had their enzymes destroyed, so they're not going to add any sort of um, – they're not going to convert any starches into sugars. But that's okay because, like I said, we're just using them for their flavors basically. Um, like your car- caramel and crystal malts, those are – and and you know that's something that some people go back and forth on whether they're the same thing or not. Um, in the malt book – from Brewers Publications, it talks about what the caramel and crystal malt difference is, and there's technically a process that makes a crystal malt a little bit different than a caramel malt. It adds like a crystalline structure inside. Doesn't really matter though. Um, caramel, crystal malt, use them interchangeably. In the end process of the beer, it's not going to matter. Uh, these malts though are. Uh, instead of being dried after so they're in this big vat with the water and everything and and they've sprouted but instead of being dried the maltster goes on and puts them into a roaster and brings the temperature to like 158 which is the same exact temperature that you would use if you were trying to convert inside uh inside your mash like we talked about mashing beer um it's the same temperature that you'd use so these are being mashed inside of their husks while they're they're still a grain, like they're making sugar inside the husk. Okay. So it's converted that starch into sugar, and whenever that process is complete, after an hour or so, um, they then start to increase the temperature slowly over a few hours. And what you get is you get the process that takes those sugars and turns them into caramel inside of the actual grain. Makes some wonderfully flavored, sweet caramel flavored malts that like can start off with a very light slight caramel sweet flavor and then go all the way to like burnt sugar raisins prunes depending on what color and how far they they've taken this process you're making me thirsty yeah <laughs> so any beer that you find or just about any beer out there that you find that tastes like caramel this caramel malt is probably what caused that caramel flavor to be there hmm. um the next up is roasted malts and because in roasted or because in like in caramel malts that you want to try to um, take those and convert the starch into sugar, um, you know they they start with grain that's already been malted or in the malted process and go from there. With roasted malts, it really doesn't matter if it's been malted or not because you're going to basically cook the the bejesus out of it until it <laughs> you know you, you turn it black in some of these malts you've got black malts you've got um, brown malts amber malts uh, chocolate malts any of those dark dark flavors that you get that way that's where they come from is these roasted malts this is where you're going to start getting to a lot of your darker stuff though right yep and, and like even if you're making a dark stout um if I'm taking a five-gallon batch of beer and I'm trying to make a dark stout, you know, it's really not, dark, rich, chocolatey, it's not going to be a hundred percent roasted malt. No, it it may be one percent, it may be two percent. So out of this whole thing, I may be adding in a half a pound, if if even that, mm-hmm. um, quarter okay. pound, I half a pound of the stuff. I didn't know it was I didn't know it was that little compared to the rest of it, but so yeah. it's really the less is more um, kind of deal. Yeah. yeah, and even on these, you can take them and, and um, since you're not trying to preserve any husk on them or anything like that, if you're home brewing, um, you can take these and throw them into a coffee mill and just turn the coffee mill on to pulverize them. You're not trying to convert the starch into sugar, so these don't even have to be mashed technically. You can put them in at the very end of your mash, and you get less acrid, burnt flavors out of them and get more of that color and more of the roasty toasty type flavors. Okay. Awesome. 
So that's pretty much the biggest portion of malts out there. That's that's just about all the malts that are available um, in a nutshell. You know, uh, overreaching multiple categories of malts. There's now, some some there's some dark evil syndicate of malt that making that they have like a special try it once and you're hooked for life kind of malt. That's acidulated malt. And that one, that one. Is, I was just making a joke. I didn't really. <laughs> um, did it's know? it's a malt that um, when we get into the water episode or, or when we talk about water uh, as one of the ingredients later on, we'll talk about um, some of the the problems with water that brewers okay, have to deal so, with. So so the the water episode's not just it's wet. It's two hydrogens and one <laughs> oxygen, and we're done. Yeah, unfortunately, we get more things. Fortunately, unfortunately, we get more things in our water than we know, um, unless you're in Flint, Michigan, and then uh, and then you know. You know. <laughs> um, so don't be brewing with that water, and I won't be trying it if you do. Um, but like acidulated malt, I'll they try. Actually, I'll try. I'll take one for the team. They take this malt and they actually spray it down with some bacteria that turn the malt sour. Um, in German, I think it's actually called sour malt, S-A-U-R malts. Um, and it, it's turned sour from lactic acid that's built up on the outside, um, which is a pretty cool way and pretty efficient way to get around the Rhein Heizkabut without using alternative chemicals. Okay. Alrighty. Any questions about malt? Um, no. Okay. <laughs> How much will it take for me to get all the malt and then make whatever I want? It's <laughs> a good question. I don't know. I passed by some – on the way up, I passed by some uh, big – I think – one was Cargill, which is the same company that makes the lower modified Pilsner malt. And it looked like big grain silos, so I don't know if they were like – it was corn or malted or like barley, but – those things were humongous, um, oh. like football field size, you know, big S- containers, silos, or you know, silo like, big, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's not uh, small. Yeah. So they were huge. Um, hops. I so know. hops, some people's favorite part of beer, some people's least favorite part of beer. It's not uh, my least favorite. Some people but are it's... warming up to it. They're, they're growing yeah. on us, you know. <laughs> Well, I'm hops, being drugged, kicking and screaming into hops, but it's it's fine. Yeah. Um, biggest thing that we talk about with hops is when it gets into your beer, you talk about the bitterness level, you talk about the aroma, you talk about the flavor. Those are your three key parts of hops. But hops as a plant and as a, an agricultural product, they're a flower of the female humulus lupulus plant, and the flowers produce these uh, these buds, basically it's a bud, that that has alpha acids that lend their bitter flavor to beer. Now there's also beta acids and um, some other different components inside of hops, but keeping it very simple. Gamma acids, got... they, tur- they turn it green and you get really angry. <laughs> right, right. The alpha acids have that, that bitterness. That's all you need to know. And the higher the alpha acid level, the either less hops you'll need to use to make a beer bitter or, the higher the alpha acid level, the um, the more bitterness you'll get out of the same amount of hops that you're putting in, ounce for ounce. Um, hops contribute volatile components other than that bitterness that are like spicy, floral, fruity, um, or other aromas or flavors to the beer. Uh, now, there are over 100 different commercially available cultivars or varietals of hop, the hop plant. 
most of them have really fanciful names like Mosaic, which is named Mosaic because it feels like it's a, or it smells and tastes like it's a mosaic of multiple different hop types. I was going to say, that seems like it should be like several hops. But... Yep. Uh, Citra, which is Yay. huge right now. Mosaic <laughs> and Citra are both actually really huge. Um, Citra, because it's got a lot of that citrusy grapefruit, um, that, that sort of big citrus flavor. Um, and Galaxy is another one. Which is the Android software for, for hops. <laughs> right. I think they named it Galaxy just because it was so big. It was one of these these hops that came out, and it was it like had such a high alpha acid level. Because when you're talking about stuff, the old hops like Fuggles. Um, <laughs> yeah. Every time. <laughs> Sorry. Fuggles, <laughs> Holotower, all these names. Saws, the ones that I'm making up here. Um all those like traditional German hop levels, they had like five percent alpha alpha acid, five six somewhere around there. So the galaxy ones are more bitter. The galaxy ones come in like twelve to eighteen <laughs> percent somewhere around there. Because well, Mad Tree so, actually has a uh, one, it's called Galaxy High. Yep, so the galaxy's kind of really good flavored as well. Because there are some some that are horribly flavored that you would never want to put in as a flavoring component to beer. But Galaxy has a really good flavor to it. Hmm. Some mad scientist in there just started coming up. He's like, no, no, it needs to be stronger. Strong like bull. I have noticed a lot of brewers will use the flavoring hop in the actual name of the beer in the end when they're Citadelic. naming it. Yeah, because yeah, the Citra, <laughs> New Belgium has the Citradelic right now. And then Big Mosaic. Man. I'm trying to, yeah. I've been beating my head like trying to figure out. Who was I've seen Mosaic on the shelf. Who was it? Founders yeah. or somebody that has a Mosaic? Some, uh, not have even been like Victory or somebody like that. Yeah, that's um, who it was. It was Victory. Or New Belgium, possibly. Some I, I remember they had a tall bottle, not a short yeah. squat bottle. Um, but yeah, because these, I mean, homebrewers have have been able to finally get a hold of some of these hops um, over the past three, four years, and they've went crazy over them. They love the flavors. But if you're going to buy one of these hops. You're paying out the nose for it. Mm-hmm. You're paying sometimes double, triple the cost of – if you can even get it, um, triple the cost of what a normal everyday hop that you've been using, like a Cascade even, um, mm-hmm. something that you've been using for years. And then these hops come along, and they're you know so hard to get. You want to name your beer that because people know it's rare. It's hard to find. It's it's like finding a, a grapevine that um, – you know a really rare – brand of grape so gotcha. it's like finding um, a, a kentucky breakfast though. <laughs> exactly <laughs> it's like finding a maybe this week um and that's uh, going back to to how hops are grown they are identical genetically so that means that whenever you come around and and we only grow as hop grows you only grow the female plant because it's the only one that actually produces a hop cone if you were to find a male plant within uh, pollen distance, whatever that would be, of the female plant, it would turn to seed. And you don't want that if you're trying to grow hops. You want it to go as, go as big and fat and, and plump as you can, as late in the season as you can, and you don't want it to go to seed. But if you're trying to breed new hop varieties, that's about the only time you pull in the male plant is to breed a new hop variety. Because when whenever you get, your, when you get your lab coat out and start playing God. Yeah. <laughs> So you you breed these hop plants back and forth. They they come in and and create a seed, and with that seed you plant it. It creates a hop uh, hop rhizome basically. Um, 
when that hop rhizome grows large enough, you can then cut it in half, and you take the second rhizome over and you plant them, and you have two plants. The problem is that it takes about a year for it to double in size. So the citra plant, in order for it to double the amount of capacity that you have for citra hops, you have to each each you start from one plant and it takes one year to double it. Then two plants, one year to double it. Four, eight, sixteen, and then you know on and on until you finally get enough eight, ten, twelve years down the road to have enough to provide to different uh, different breweries. So that's one of the reasons that these are so big and well-named is because it's hard to get a a high number of these hops produced in a short amount of time. So that'll mean the ones that we're seeing mass on the market now, like the Citra, it has has been in development for a long time to get it to this point. Absolutely. Um, And that's one of the things. Each year – there are hundreds of hop plants that get bred each year, and they get – weeded out because of and you know pardon the pun but weeded <laughs> out because they are either not resistant to disease they don't produce enough bittering alpha acids or they don't have uh, a good flavor and so whenever you you've got so many different hops that are being weeded out and then taken down and down i mean a hop that has a wonderful never before seen flavor that just doesn't have a resistance to uh mildew may be kicked out just because it doesn't have the resistance and it can't be grown very well. Oh, wow. Um, but yeah, so there are basically three to four times in the brewing process uh, that you can add uh, hops. The The first place that most brewers will add it is at the beginning of the boil. There's a technique called first war hopping that you put it in the kettle before you even start pouring the beer into the kettle to brew or to boil it. Um, I'm not real sure I agree that uh, that first war hopping has any any benefit at all, but um, there's an experiment going on right now. I'm not taking part in this one, but there's an experiment going on right now about first war hopping and uh, whether it actually has a benefit or, uh, or it has any change at all. Um, but you could do it right at earliest at the very beginning of the boil. What you're going to do is the longer that hop boils, the more bitterness it's going to add to the beer. Um, that's where you get, Brittany, your 120-minute IPA. I think it was. Was it 120, 90-minute? Uh, 90 90-minute 90 is when I heard 90-minute IPA. That hop goes in at 90 minutes, and they continuously add hops for 90 minutes. Um, instead of normally a beer has a 60-minute addition. So they keep adding and you know add hops wherever along that line. But the, the basic places that you would add hops is early on to create bitterness. About midway through or within about 15 minutes left in the boil, uh, 15 to 30 minutes, somewhere in there, um, you're going to add your hops to create flavor in the beer because that's about the only place that you can get flavor is whenever you add them to the actual boil. And then the aroma additions take place in like the last 10 minutes, last 15 minutes. If you're really good at trying to add aroma, you may even add it after the boil is complete, and uh, that's called dry hopping. After after the beer's been fermenting, you add hops then. So alpha acids, um, it's it's the number that we deal with most commonly when we talk about hops. Um, higher alpha acids increase the IBUs. Lower alpha acids decrease the IBUs in the beer if everything else is held constant. So if I add in one ounce of 12% alpha acid hops at 60 minutes, so they boil for 60 minutes, 
And on another beer, I add in 6% alpha acid hops at boiling for 60 minutes. That 12% alpha acid beer will have, in, in theory, double the amount of IBUs. So what the – like you were talking about that Galaxy beer. If you've got the beer that they, they say it's a Galaxy hop, maybe they reduce the amount of – hops that they actually had to put in it to maintain the bitterness where they wanted to put it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, if you wanted to get a beer with no hop flavor whatsoever, you would just put it in at the 60 minutes. If you wanted to add a lot of hop flavor, there's this thing called hop bursting that's coming on to the, the world now. And hops you add all your hops. <laughs> yep. You add all your hops in the last like 10 minutes or less. And by doing that, you add tons of flavor. Um, the bitterness won't it won't have enough time to to get the bitterness in there so you've just got to add a lot more hops to get the bitterness added in i feel like that seems more wasteful if you have to throw more hop into it if you're looking for bitterness only and that's what anheuser-busch has pushed for higher and higher alpha acid hops because they're interested in having as few hops in the kettle as possible Mm -hmm. Um, they're one of these companies that would you know you you put it in very early in the boil, so there's no hop flavor left over in their, you know, whatever their pell beer is of the day. And uh, through that process, you you have little to no hop flavor, little to no hop aroma. Um, a good version of that beer, in their eyes, has no hop aroma, no hop flavor. Oh wow! Yeah. Um, now each hop also has the flavors that we were talking about and the aromas that are more nuanced. Um, that category can run into the spicy the piney the floral the fruity like a tropical or a citrus fruit you've got minty earthy uh we talked about the fuggles and some of these earthy beers you know earthy flavors come from hops to some extent you also have dank which is another word for uh smells like weed right oh, nice. does not sound comforting <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah there's a lot of those those northwestern American hops that have that flavor. And, um, you know, a couple years ago, that was a really big flavor to have put in your beer. So Dang. oddly enough, this makes me want to try that beer even more. So while you're saying this, I'm looking up that beer just to make sure. Yeah. And um, it, it even breaks down. You can download the recipe, actually, from Mad Tree's website. Ooh. And it breaks down. It says it uses Topaz and Galaxy hops. And it okay. says it, it they're two Australian hops. Uh, and it says... Where did it go? A tropical and dank flavor. Yeah. It's an imperial IPA. So your tropical flavors come. I think Galaxy has some some tropical um, some tropical notes to it. Uh, double IPA is perfect for that because you're like you said you're going to get a lot more. Uh, right now the alpha acids in Galaxy are running from eleven point six to sixteen percent. Mm-hmm. Um, Typically used as a late addition to the aroma and flavor characteristics become more pronounced the later the addition has some fruitiness to it. And you said the other one was... Topaz hops. Topaz. So when you look at PQST, like I said, hundreds of hops, you've got to have some sort of website to go to. YCH Hops is the the new parent company of what used to be our um, hop union. Mm -hmm. And that... That's pretty much where I go to find 
any sort of information about what the hop's flavor is going to be, what the hop aroma is going to be, what the normal alpha acids would be. And whenever I'm building a, a recipe, that's the, you know, that's where I would go to, to try to figure out what I wanted to. Um, now, Topaz can give you kind of a resinous, grassy flavor, um, but the flavor qualities can begin to shine with a light tr- tropical fruit like a lychee, and uh, the flavors become more pronounced, it says on their site. So, um, another thing that I was going to say, like whenever these hops are in the final process, when they're finally coming out, you get a name like Topaz, you get a name like Citra or Galaxy. Um, I think Mosaic used to be called HBC 365 though, or something like that. Um, and there are a couple new hops out on the market, HBC 291, HBC 366 that are, um, you know, one has floral citrus herbal. The other one has citrus tropical fruit, fruity herbal. Those are the – when you look at named – hops that haven't been named yet but are still under their name from the from the breeding program, that shows you where the industry is probably going to be going here in the next couple of years. Okay. Because those are the hops that are going to be hard to get. Those are the hops that everybody's going to be clamoring after and – um, Sam Adams, I think, did a mosaic <laughs> one. That's that's one that I think we we've, we've had. Chris mm, is mosaic okay. from Sam Adams, and I think Sam Adams had it back whenever it was still an HBC named top. It hadn't even been released completely yet. Gotcha. Um, so uh, you know that's a good place to go if you see a hop and and that has uh, a number attached to it. Keep in mind that that hop has only been on the market a couple months, maybe a year at the most, um, and it just hasn't gotten its official name. What was the name of the website that you're getting the hop information from? Uh, yeah. So if you go to YCHHops.com and then slash varieties, it'll have a listing of all of their hops that they carry. And you can even categorize it by hops for aroma, hops for bittering, dual purpose, which means they can be used for aroma, flavoring, bittering, whatever. Or you can even categorize it by region. So if you said, I'm going to brew a German beer that is done with German hops, German malt, German yeast, everything. Um, you could go in and say, okay, regionally, if I wanted to look at German hops, what would those be? And you can go down through the list and say, all right, we know that in Germany they like Hollertauer, they like Tettenang, um, and, and so those hops would fit very well in with your German-style beer. I, I want to point out, this has nothing to do with beer, I just want to point out how how nice and kind I'm being to any German listeners we may have for not trying to make crass, easy, stereotype jokes <laughs> about what Germans like, about what are doing in this pure German style. No, none of that. I kept that in. Continue to keep it in. <laughs> keep you in. Some new hops that are coming out uh, right now are... Uh, really cool thing that's a mandarina i think you probably have stumbled upon some of this uh Brittany, with uh it's an orange flavored hop hmm. and don't hold me to it but this is i think this is exactly how important it is where you grow the hops is. Uh, this is how important where you grow the hops is mandarina i think is a cascade variety so they just took the exact genetic material from the cascade plant sounds gross <laughs> and they took it from Northwest America, uh, United States of America, you know, yeah. uh, over into 
Germany, if I'm not mistaken. And in the U.S., it tastes like citrus fruit, like grapefruit, like you know, bright citrus. When grown in Germany, it tastes like mandarin oranges. And That's so fine. just moving it from one region to the next changed the flavor so much. Hmm. That's weird. And you'll, you'll get, if you're looking for uh, Kent wow. Goldings, um, EKG uh, is a British hop that is grown in East Kent. Uh, and that means that that hop was grown in Great Britain. If you get Goldings, that hop is grown in the United States or elsewhere. If it's not named, it's, it could be just about anywhere, but in the U.S. probably. So whenever you take EKG versus Goldings, they're two totally different hops because of the climate that that hop has grown in. So with you mm. saying that, of course, I had to go look up Citradelic. Um, <laughs> they, they do list their hops as well, and it's uh, they, they use the Mandarina. Mm-hmm, which I, is that use, Cascade like, yeah. grown in. Yep. And they use Cascade hops and Citra hops and Galaxy hops. Like, it's like 10 they different just, varieties that they use. They in just that, grabbed that one hops drink. and they threw it in there and they went, good enough. Yeah. Yeah. That'll um, do, big. That'll do. <laughs> If I were one of these companies, I would be putting out every every big name hop that's in my beer. It would be on my website because I pay for that hop. I pay a premium to get a hop that's named Galaxy, a hop that is Citra, yeah. a hop that is Mandarina, which is last year, maybe the year before was the first time we really saw that. And it's, this it's year, Brittany, Lemon Drop. You've seen the Lemon Drop hop. Um, that's right. that's going to be the big the big hop of the day. So I'm going to start so, looking all these up now. This is crazy. I had to look up this other one because then I went down a rabbit hole on Mad Tree's website. And uh, <laughs> it, they have a, a one. It's like a uh, – it's not a seasonal, but it's one of those ones that comes out at certain weird times of the year or whatever. And it's yep. an imper- another Imperial IPA like the Galaxy High one, except this is called Citra High. Of course, it uses Citra hops, but it also uses something called Simcoe, it looks like, hops. And yeah, I had to look that up. Simcoe, another Northwest American. I think it's got some piney flavors, some a little bit of that um, Northwestern sort of. Uh, I feel like you've played a little bit with Simcoe hops. Yeah, Simcoe. Simcoe was the one that, and we talked about the story before when we were doing the, uh, yeah, that episode um, <laughs> when we talked with Southern Tier and what their switchover was going to be. Oh, that's right. Uh, right. And they are, they're switching over to these hops because they can finally get them. I mean, that if you can't find the hop, you can't okay. be the big dog on campus. Well, and is that and one so, known for being hardcore? Because it doesn't even give a number on the IBU for the, the beer. It just says, hi. <laughs> like, so that, that may be another topic that we can get into, but perceptions <laughs> perceptions of our our taste buds and their perceptions are so hard to, to put down. But there is a theory that you can only taste 100 IBUs. After that point, it doesn't matter. So if it says under IBUs high, it's yeah. probably hit over 100 IBUs, and they're just saying, you know, you really, you're not going to be able to, to pick it out. Tell, after that, tell that to Goose Island and who lord. <laughs> oh, that was yeah, no, that uh, was dogfish, dogfish. Dogfish. dogfish head. <laughs> I've still never seen that anywhere, and I kind of don't want to see it anywhere. I don't, yeah. think they, I don't think they made enough to show it anywhere. Yeah. Um, one of the things that Who Lord used, and uh, you no, can no, no, no. use Who Lord, Who Lord. <laughs> uh, you can use at home. Um, they actually have created these for for home use. Um, is what's called a alpha acid or hop extract. 
and it's a goo that I'm not opposed to it as much anymore because it's extracted through um, liquid CO2, and so it's not a completely like chemical process. Uh, you know, I, I breathe CO2 every day, so it's not that big of a deal. Um, but it, it's like this gel that comes in a, um, a syringe, and you just syringe it into your kettle, and it adds hundreds of IBUs depending on how concentrated you want to make it. Do not uh, confuse with your insulin. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, we can put that in somebody's pump. Oh, God. <laughs> just kidding. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm flowing up here. Sorry. <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, so if you wanted to add just IBUs with no specific flavor whatsoever, you, know, you could use a hop shot and uh, increase it that way. Well, all right. So yeah. next time we uh, we cover anything, it's going to be over, I think, yeast varieties, which you can get real in-depth with, and then just a light covering of water as well as... A little drizzle of water. Just a little drizzle, as well as probably get into some of the fruit um, and ag- adjunct additions like uh, rice and corn, which are usually added... Well, rice you can't malt, I don't think. Um, and corn... It's, it's quitter talk. <laughs> corn uh, is usually added unmalted. Um, although, so, although you're right, you, you can't malt. Uh, rice doesn't uh, doesn't have the enzymes to break down. Yep. yep. So if it's unmalted, it's probably considered an adjunct and not malt. So technically would not be part of the run of Nope. Hmm. Take that, you German brewers from Bud Miller Coors. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, that's I a, think that. Uh, I feel like the more you know banner has been going on over our heads. I think we we learned a lot. Yeah, there's a lot of a uh, lot of stuff out there that is nuanced with each of these. Um, like I said, the Brewers Publications comes out with. Uh, you know, we went over um, maybe an hour's worth of of talk over what these different components are uh in front of me my reference for malt was a book from brewers publications by john mallet uh this book's 300 pages long and the only thing it talks about is malt so (laughs) i've got another one just like it that talks about yeast another one with with water and hops and the four brewing elements series Books. Like ironically, those those topics on the ingredients of beer are very dry reading. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Ironically, with the water book, it's probably the driest of them all. <laughs> uh, water chemistry and balancing acid ba- base equations is that's fun. <laughs> Sounds like a rip roaring time. It was a good read. It was a good read. Oh. All right. I think we're going to move off into a segment that we don't get to have very often, uh, feedback. We got one! We have feedback. Yeah, no, actually, we, we don't just have one, do we? No, we actually have two. This one's from uh, from Evan. He says, uh, hey, Bear Crew. Uh, I wanted to share a few links that you got with you guys since you mentioned the Pico Brew, uh, but also bemoaning its price tag. If you're not familiar, Pico Brew is the little... All-in-one home brewing kit. It's like the Keurig for brewing. Right, right. Um, you lose some of the uh, automation provided by the Zymac Pico Brew and the uh, and all of the automation of the Pico Brew Pico. 
but you can still retain the control of the recipe crafting side uh, slash the fine tuning. Um, but uh, Evan sent in a few links, and uh, I was looking at some of these the, the the day he sent them. I'm just like, yeah, no, I still don't have the money for them, but they look really cool. Right. Uh, we've got uh, we'll have links, I suppose, to to all of them. But we've got one from like grainfather.com. Uh, we've got one from uh, Brew uh, Boss, and they autoplay. Oh. They autoplay. <laughs> In case you weren't aware, they autoplay. But no, uh, one of these I feel like I've seen before. Uh, the 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 grandfather looks like it's a big, yeah, tittle. Well, it's a great name. Good job. Yeah. <laughs> I I, if I'm not mistaken, I say that a lot because I, I don't want to be mistaken. But <laughs> but sure, sure. but you often but you can be mistaken. So I can be. I think that the grandfather is built on one of those the frame of. You know those gigantic coffee percolator pot type things? Yes. That's yes. kind of what it looks like. That's 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 immediately what I thought of because it looks like those those you know, when you you know, you're you're working somewhere and you brew like eight seven, gallons of coffee. Yeah. And you wanted to keep for you know, most of the day. That's <laughs> that's what it looks like. Uh, and then they've got uh, the one from Brew Boss is a, a little bit smaller one, looks more like a uh, a large cooking pot the lid and a bunch of hoses coming out of it yeah it's a little more Uh, elaborate looking a little bit but uh the the one from it might have been the core brewing systems one uh yeah i think it might have been that one i feel like i've seen if maybe parts of it at like uh maybe when we were at that that home brewing convention casey Mm -hmm. Uh, which one was that uh, the one in Grand Rapids, the the oh no, which oh, which uh, it's the 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 cobrewingsystems dot com link, uh, but it's yeah, I actually think it's got I a little see that yeah, it's got a little readout on there so you can you know set your temperatures I believe and um yeah that one's got the uh, it's an electrical brewing system I believe on that one is what it appears to be yeah um so. Cool thing, bad thing. I don't know, like how I feel about it. Because if you're a renter, like uh, like <laughs> myself, doing a doing a electric brew system is pretty difficult because you've got to have. I think it's two twenty, um, two forty, two twenty, whatever the the high end, the double uh, double of normal house power, like mm. what your dryer would run on. Oh yeah, yeah, and it this can. So I mean, you could either commit to brewing and uh and then have no dry clothes or you know <laughs> just maybe, line drying maybe, everything yeah. take your entire washroom in the apartment and just convert it into a brew room you're good to go you um, can you can you hand gonna, wash all your clothes just take a take a hair dryer to them they'll dry trade with your neighbor you know you bring <laughs> him beer he he brings you dry clothes i, I feel like that would be a good trade off but right. for the price, okay, that's where it really kicks in because this is the most affordable one and actually could bring it into reality for some people. Yeah, uh, this, the uh, lowest one is five hundred and fifty dollars. Yeah. Wait, which one? Uh, for that system, the co-brewing systems. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, although it's, uh, and he mentions though, although the configuration I would want would come in at eight hundred. Yeah, that's the uh, thing. Like the price is really like, I feel like um, Pico at least has. 
you're going to be paying a bit more, but these all seem much more elaborate than, you know, the... Well, it's, and it's a matter of what you're willing to pay in for yeah. the hobby you want to get into. Right. Yeah, what's Versus the level the, convenience the level of convenience you want is going to cost you more and more. That's, then I, he, he also does mention, though, you can always take the completely analog route with home brewing and buying a starter kit, uh, and he links one from Amazon. It's a little over $100, and then just start yeah. you know, adding to it as you go. And, you know, I've been looking more and more into the, the small batch brewing um, just so I can do more different varieties and not doing five gallons, doing um, taking two-gallon food-grade buckets from Lowe's and, and using those as my fermenting vessels and, and doing a gallon and a half at a time on the stovetop. But then what would you do with your massive three-vet... Oh, that's for that's for uh, events that we do. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, that would definitely be uh, – that's one of the, the things that I'm going to have to get into and try to work around that, take it back from maybe a 10-gallon to a 5-gallon, uh, change out my kettles a little bit and go that way. But no, this, this was this was really neat. Uh, I, I Just the options that there are out there if you're wanting to, to really get into brewing – uh, to home brewing, uh, it was a lot of stuff. And since I knew the home brewing episode was coming up, I was like, "This is perfectly timed." <laughs> yeah. Mm. Um, the key thing is it. All of these components are to create a home system. If you're if you've got that homebrew mentality, that mentality that I want to make something and I want to be a creator, and it's that maker space sort of thought yeah. process. You can buy all kinds of automation equipment and automate your entire brew house from scratch if you're if you're into that or you can go pico brew and and do a complete here it is i all i have to do is press a button and go well and it's it's also about the space too i think if you have a limited amount of space pico may make more sense like if you're willing to invest the money into it yes I just finished the uh, the the Steve Jobs biography, and so like this idea of the the homebrew mentality versus the convenient all in one yeah thing is like making weird parallels in my head. I'm like, I'm a PC, right? And also yeah. they, they they called early like the the hacking home. It was the home the brewing community club. for yeah. right. Yep, all those they they took that name from us. <laughs> That's our word. Um, okay, so the the other bit of feedback uh, was from Twitter, from uh, Tyler. Our uh, he he probably interacts with us the most. I would say. Hey, we love Tyler. Yeah, Tyler's great. Um, so he asked us if we had tried a particular kind of beer, and I have this up because I'm going to say it wrong. Rauch beer. That one. <laughs> Which in it, the German translated to English means smoke beer. Yeah. If that gives you any indication. Uh, how, how did you describe this, Chris? Okay, I described because I actually have had one of these. We had to go to Beer Advocate where they just have a big list of all the different kinds. Of, like, I have and no I'm, idea. And I'm sorry, Tyler, I, I answered you in that I didn't. I hadn't heard of it, and I was answering the Twitter at the time, so I didn't know he'd already had one. Well, I I had to go down the list, and then it was like, oh, Bonfire of the Valkyries. Yeah, I had that uh, one weekend, went up to, um, oh, now I'm forgetting the name of the place. It's named after the Mead Hall and Beowulf. Uh, the Harat. Oh, uh, the Harat. Um, we went to the Harat in Harat. Indiana, and they had it on tap there. 
And we were just like, Bonfire of the Valkyries, yeah, take a big drink. And it was like swallowing fire. It was so smoky. I compared it to uh, Lagavulin. Like, it is just that, like, you just took a big swig of a campfire. <laughs> so, here's here's my my caveat on Ralph. I've always I've always said it, Ralph beer, Ralph beer. Um, yeah. But you know, that's I've probably been saying it wrong myself. Um, I just wasn't even gonna try. <laughs> you know? That beer specifically is made with German Rausch malt, and that means that it's a malt that's been smoked over a beechwood fire. Yep. Now there are smoked beers out there that are not like beach. They're like peat smoke beers and some other beers that aren't Rausch beer, mm-hmm. Rauch beer, whatever you want to say. Um, but it's a you've got smoked beers and then you've got this specific variety. Um, when we judged up at that last homebrew competition, this would have been in my category, but not well would have been in the category that set uh, opposite of me. And I don't think we had a single one in the uh, at the table, if I'm not mistaken. You don't really hear about it often. Um, the commercial examples are the only one that Victories uh, Scarlet Fire Roush beer is about the only one that I've seen. I, I'm looking at commercial examples yeah. for um, the BJCP. That's the only one that I see that's actually like an American example. Most of them are uh, German, it looks like. Well, they um, started started in the city of Bamberg, um, in the Franconium region of Bavaria, in Germany. So I see that one on the list on the the beer advocate list. Um, Sam Adams apparently, because sure, um, also has one. Well, technically they have two. It looks like okay. Uh, so the Boston Beer Company, <laughs> well, Samuel Adams Bonfire Rausch beer, and then um, Cinderbock, which I've seen Cinderbock. I just I guess I didn't know what it was really. It's a um, box of cinders. Right. Uh, Uinta has one. Victory. Flying Dog. Um, Southern. No, so that's Southern Star, not Southern Deer. Uh, <laughs> I was like, oh, oh. Listerman. Listerman in Cincinnati has one. Ah. Oh. Fryer Bacon Smoked Bock. Sure, sure. Yeah. So there, there's quite a few on the list, actually. And I've just, I'd never even heard of the style until he asked that. Yeah, no. Uh, until I looked at the show notes, I had no idea what this was. No. <laughs> so... Uh. Cool. At least oh, this... by asking, he's turned us on to a whole other thing. I do. I do like it. It's like it's the. It's possibly the only style I cannot stomach. You yeah. should try it. Yeah. It's <laughs> yeah. like what? I mean, what? What? Why do you hate us, man? No, uh, he probably I, knows that we would. <laughs> I'm with you on this one, Tyler. I cannot cannot deal with it. The maltiness is not there on most of these smoked beers. It's just heavy smoke. Um, anything smoked, I can't. Um, I can't do. What about? <laughs> What about like if we were like, smoking like brisket or something? I, no, say, I wonder I could, if there are I could food eat pairings eat with these. Food, yeah. Um, but even like Lagavulin from the from Yarl's whiskey episode, oh. no. <laughs> oh yeah, the Cinderbox has like a billy goat on it. <laughs> Forgot about that. <laughs> Box goats. Uh, I don't see any food right. pairings. Well, that, I think that does it for feedback. Uh, Yes. Feel free to send in feedback of your own. Yes, yes. please. All through right. whichever whichever avenue you want, email us. Yes. Send it through Twitter. Send it on Facebook. The, we'll we'll read it. The email is working now, but yeah, the social media is probably just the easiest. Um, Twitter or, or uh, Facebook or Instagram. We will most likely respond to you right away, and then still bringing up it, bring it up in the episode. Yeah. All right. So let's get into what we're drinking. 
What are we drinking? Drink with me, friend. So, Casey, since you're the guest, just thought I would ask you first, what do you have in front of you? <laughs> yeah, I think I'm an odd man out on this one. Um, where I am doing a little tour of Michigan up here, I thought I would go with a Michigan beer. Uh, currently, I'm in Detroit uh, at an undisclosed location, mainly because I have no idea where I am at this point. Um, <laughs> no idea where I am, but I do know there's a there's a gang of people on motorcycles in leather with spikes. <laughs> no, no, no. I just what uh, what's the the is it Journey? Just a city girl born yeah. and raised in yeah. South Detroit. Oh, yeah, it yeah. is in like the South Detroit area. I just don't know nice. where. Um, <laughs> No journey singing but, you, you, but you're on a midnight train going anywhere. <laughs> anywhere. Right. Um, so I went into the local liquor store here, which, as I discovered, was not uh, – we've got better craft beer stores than the <laughs> local liquor store here. I was thinking, all right, I'm close to a large city in like beer – Beer country, you know, yeah. uh, although it's more it's Michigan. On- surely there's going to be something. Right. So I'll walk in and uh, I'm, I'm looking around to try to pick something out. And there's a couple like weird stuff, but I'm like, I want something Michigan to, to have tonight. You know, I'm here. I might as well. Sure. The only thing I could find is something that we could find back home anyways, and that's the dragon's milk. Look, if you have to drink something, mm. it's delicious. Drink, why not drink dragon's milk? <laughs> So as I'm spinning around some of these bottles trying to see where they're made from, maybe it's a, a brewery that I haven't heard of and it's local and it's real special. But, you know, I try to do that sort of thing when I'm when I'm around. Something um, local, something special. The guy that owns Weiser. <laughs> the guy that owns or was was work. I think he owns it because he was he was well way, way too pushy. Um, either he owns it or he's on commission. But I was spinning <laughs> around and he was like, "Yeah," and I think he thought. I was looking for a best buy date or an expiration date. And he was like, yeah, a lot of people don't know. Craft beer's better the older it gets. And I'm thinking, that's not really proven. It's not, not all of it. And, and I'm like, maybe if you've got some high alcohol stuff and whatever. He's like, oh, yeah, I've got like 300 bottles at home over 15 months old that I haven't even cracked. Oh. I'm like, oh, okay, that's nice. So I finally get up to pay and – um He's like uh, uh, he's he starts wiping down the dragon's milk bottles because they're so dusty. They've been sitting on this shelf for so long. Oh my god! And he's like, "I should charge you more because I've aged it already for you." And you oh went, my no. goodness! No, because they this have is not an aging days. cellar. <laughs> this was this was underneath fluorescent lights in the middle. I'm like, fine, no, whatever. Yeah, just just let me go, please. But uh, I finally get out of there and everything. It, it's not bad. It's like eight months old at this point and it's a high alcohol volume beer mm-hmm. so it's 11 percent abv uh barrel aged stout from new holland dragon's milk uh rate beer score of a 98 um That's because it's score. delicious this one i would probably not put it up that high it seems a little bit thin mm-hmm. um maybe i don't want to say infection it's not infection but you know they've aged it in a barrel maybe it just it six months out probably a little bit too much to, to sit out on a shelf. If I had it in a fridge, it would be a lot better, I think, um, for aging, or at least in cellar temperature, not 75 degrees inside a building. Right. That's unfortunate. <laughs> it's, it was, is it better or worse than aging it inside of a glove compartment? Oh, uh, Much better. <laughs> <laughs> that's always going to be the, the answer to that one. Well, that's cool and sad at the same time. 
Uh. <laughs> it's a stout, though, so it's sort of sort of in that St. Paddy's Day. You know, it's the stout version that you would get if uh, if you were in which one was Ireland that was the communist Ireland. What? What? What's, no, never mind. That was, it was Germany. <laughs> oh, East and West Germany. There's, a, there's an East and West Ireland, didn't you know? No, that's. I'm thinking the war that the was Russian. there from the Protestants and the Catholics. The, the Russians took over all of, <laughs> all of East Ireland. Oh. <laughs> oh, maybe I've had too much. Maybe it's gotten to my head. We're we're gonna talk about the ways you disappointed me today later. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's not history. My 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 topic is not history or world affairs. <laughs> All right, Brittany, what did you get? Let's let's start digging Casey out of this hole. I think um, we should go back and, and redo that without me saying all those. No, things. no, we no. Keep, <laughs> keep all this nope, in. It stays. Uh, so yeah, so the rest of us were trying to do, um, though I appreciate your theme, because of course if you're going to be in a certain location, you're going to get that location's beer, obviously. Um, but so, because everybody kind of does St. Patrick's Day right now on the weekend before, since it's on a Thursday this year. Um, One more day, it would have been perfect. Yeah, like, so we just decided to go ahead with the Irish theme, since this is our episode before St. Patrick's Day. I, although, again, everything's from Guinness. I don't know if you guys knew. Um... <laughs> We tried. Well, <laughs> we really they tried. tried. They tried. I basically just went, man, I'm just going to grab some. I have some Guinness still in the fridge. Well, we went to Jungle Gyms, and they're supposed to have all these international things, and they totally didn't. It was all the same. No, no, we actually do. found more at Party Source than we did at Jungle Gyms. They have international foods, and they did have some international beers, a lot of international beers. That as long as they're not from get, Ireland. Yeah. That we can't get around here. But they didn't have anything from Ireland other than... Guinness. Everything Guinness offers. Yeah. So, um, I am drinking a Guinness <laughs> Blonde American Lager. Uh, the style is actually, it's called a premium lager, but uh, it's, it's just 5%. And the sad thing is the rate beer score is 18, which Ooh. is like one of the lowest ones I've ever seen. Um, it's okay. Like, it's not, you know, it's a lager. You know, <laughs> it's not offensive. It's it's a it's a blonde. It's a fine thing to drink. I wouldn't say that that's going to be my first choice anywhere I go, but it's it's a fine, clean lager to drink. And and you know, if that's if that's your option, then go for it. If you're trying to get this badge right now, yes, go ahead and buy it. But I would recommend if you see it in a create your own six pack, perhaps go that route instead. Yeah, I need to get it for the badge, but I'm also like, um, do I really want it? Yeah, I'm as not, we, as if, you, learned, if you see the create your own six pack, grab it for that. Like, I would not recommend getting a whole six pack of it. Um, it, it again, it's it's fine. It's just it's not it's not everything that you would hope it would be. <laughs> All right. Well, I uh, decided to go traditional because uh, I was lazy and it was in my fridge. Sure. Uh, I just did a regular uh, Guinness draft. Uh, out of the can, just pour it over with the widget, right. break up that nitrogen. That's where most of us cut our teeth. Right. You know, dry stout, 4.2% ABV, and a rate beer score of 81. It seems maybe a little high, but I understand why it's up there. If You get the following. I think that yeah. helps a lot. That yeah. helps. And like, it, it, is, it is good, and, you know, I, I drank all of it before we got to the end of the show. But uh, see, I'm still trying to finish mine. If that tells you anything, well, it's also like I, I laugh when I think about it too, because I'm just like, I, in fairness, I drink Guinness pretty fast. Uh, I, I I checked into some of it maybe a week or two ago, and I think I had my comment on it was just like, you know, sometimes I just need a Guinness 
to reset everything and just to get just to remind myself of the beer I started with. Send mm-hmm. you back to that happy place. Mm-hmm. And like, there's there's a little bit in my head that may maybe why I always rate Guinness so high on Untapped, which is just like it's it's there's the nostalgia fact factor and you know right. fun I've had while on Guinness. Yeah, that but, all makes sense. Yeah, uh, but you know. I believe everybody listening to the show is like, oh, yeah, no, Guinness, we've all had that. But, right. Yeah. You know, sometimes you just want to drink something simple. Yeah, and that's kind of where mine went. Um, I'm drinking a Smithwick's or Smittix, as people like to say, but I clearly see on the bottle it says Smithwick's. That's because you're not Irish. <laughs> Plenty or of- drinking in America. Plenty of non-Irish people look at it and go, "Oh, you mean Smittix?" Well, if yeah, if you order it at a bar, they can they correct you. We've yeah. had it happen a few times. I've I've had an Irish guy make sure we didn't mispronounce it at at an Irish pub nice. in town, but he was just like, "Oh yeah, no, no, it's totally Smittix." Yeah, like if we go to Molly Malone's and they say Smittix, I'm like, "Okay, fine, you're correct." You know, like that's fine. All right. But anyway, yeah, it's from Guinness. Uh, it's one of the first beers i ever had but irish ale coming in at about five percent and a rate beer score of 39 yeah better than 18 but it's one of those <laughs> after revisiting it the experience that i've put my palate through and how much it's changed i can just look back at it and go yeah yeah it belongs in my 20s and it needs to stay there <laughs> really I, I would i don't want any more you uh, have to I, yeah. I, do, I don't know if I would say I don't want it anymore because uh, I had some because like, I was I was at a you know I was at somewhere that had it and I was like okay fine we'll have some we'll have some Smittix and uh, it certainly didn't have the same flavor I remember like it wasn't it wasn't that magical place I went back to it was just it's just you know an Irish ale it was okay yeah and that's I mean our palates have changed so much from when we first had it. Well, yeah, we can handle hops now to a point. So, I mean, we're already on the road. <laughs> you have to give these brands some sort of homage, you know, every now and then to just, just show. If it wasn't for brands like Smithwick's or Smittick's that, uh, or, or Guinness, you wouldn't have the craft beer movement you've got now. You know, same oh, thing yeah. goes for Budweiser, Bud Miller Coors, those guys. You know, they, they kept beer at the forefront of what it means to be an American. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so America has one of the best craft beer movements in the world. Um, I, I think that when you go back and you say, I probably wouldn't ever have gotten into uh, craft beer the way I did if it weren't for – I don't remember my first Bud Miller course, but I certainly remember my first craft beer. I don't remember my first Guinness, but I certainly remember my first quad uh, quad. Belgian style L. So I, I think I remember my first Budweiser, but that was because we were playing Kings, and I was upset that we had Budweiser. <laughs> but the thing is, if it wasn't for these guys creating a path that uh, that all of us brew, or all of us drinkers of beer go down, um, we wouldn't have the knowledge and the the wherewithal that we've got today. Oh yeah, no one, no one's first beer is going to be a craft beer. I mean, it's just not going to happen. We all started somewhere. Unless you've got a friend who's really good at playing jokes. <laughs> Everyone started somewhere at either a Budweiser, a Bud Light, a 
Milwaukee's best or, you know, something like that. Yep. Mm-hmm. Some some natty lights. <laughs> that that would be the one, yes. No. I do remember my first PBR, though, because those oh. things have been on the shelf a few years. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Jeez. I remember having that, and I went, I paid how much? Like, you paid a dollar for this. I paid too much. <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, so just out of curiosity, because, again, I just keep going down this road. when it, I've just been Scott Johnson looking stuff up during the whole episode. Um, <laughs> so th- I wanted to see what the, the food pairing would be for the Cinderbock, or for, you know, for that style of beer anyway. And they have uh, braised short ribs as a complement to the beer. No, I can, I can- see that. Yeah, yeah. That you need some fine. umami, something there to to soak up that smoky yeah flavor, but something probably not smoked to overpower it. Well, of course, it's one of their recipes because it's it's uh, Samuel Adams Scotch Ale braised short ribs. Oh uh, yeah, <laughs> oh sure, yeah. But still, you know, yeah, that'd be pretty good. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I guess that's it. Uh, uh, do we have any announcements to do? Yes. Um, yes. If you sent an email and we never mentioned it on the show or never replied to you, we apologize. We were not ignoring you. Uh, Due to DNS issues, we had an outage on the email that we were unaware of for quite some time. wasn't that long. Unless you sent out an email with a headline with the title, Ignore me! (laughs) Yeah, then we would ignore you. But now we've fixed it. Still don't really know what was wrong, but emails are coming through. So, yeah, if you sent one, just resend it (laughs) so that it will get through hopefully this time. Uh, You'll know if it had gotten through because we would have mentioned it. I don't think that we missed any because I tried to look through all the different ways to check the email account, but just in case, you know. Um, But again, that's probably why, uh, I mean, the email is good and technically like we can all check it, but social media I think is just easier for feedback. Mm. All right. Um... Speaking of which, uh, so um, be sure to remember to check out our website, haveadrinkshow.com, and you can find our untapped links there in addition to our social media stuff. So it's pretty much Have a Drink Show on, uh, as the username, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Google+. And be sure when you're doing the feedback thing, the email address is feedback at haveadrinkshow.com, which you can also send via a form on the feedback page on the website. Should work now. Yeah. <laughs> and as always, we'd like to thank Alan Robinson for the show music and Lynn Peralta for the album art. Uh, both of those are amazing. They have always been and will always be amazing. Uh, and you can find links to their stuff on, on the episodes page of the site. And please remember to subscribe to us on your favorite podcatcher. And please, please rate us on iTunes. Uh, it helps us spread the word. Uh, and uh, links to how to subscribe are found on the site. All right. And a big thanks to Casey Price for dropping in and dropping some knowledge on us. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Um, quick note, happy St. Patrick's Day. Yeah. When you do go out this weekend or uh, for St. Patty's Day, just remember, be safe, grab an Uber, grab a taxi, know who's going to drive. Yes, right. Drink responsibly. Casey, where can everybody find you? Yeah, at Casey Price on uh, Twitter. It's probably the easiest place to find me. I think I'm Casey Price on Untapped as well and Facebook.com slash Casey G Price. Okay. Awesome. Uh, And I'll try to also provide those links in the show notes. Uh, We've got a lot of links this time to show up in the show notes. So you guys be prepared for that. Uh, Just in case you're wondering where any of this information will be. Um, A lot of hypertext. (laughs) Pretty much. 
Uh, so check us out in another couple of weeks for the next episode. Once again, I'm Brittany Lee Walker. I'm Justin Frazier. And I'm Christopher Walker. And that's and- also Casey. Oh, I'm Casey Price. I'm <laughs> glad I had to put it in there. Uh, see you next time.